Welcome to the Salon Owners Collective podcast. Each week on the podcast, you'll hear stories and tactics from experts and influencers who will provide you with actionable steps to transform your business and your life. I'm your host, Larissa McClemon, and I help salon owners move from stress and overwhelm to lead a life of freedom and profit by implementing a strategic framework to grow and scale their business. So wherever you are in the world, I want to officially invite you to join me in this episode and make an important step in your journey towards more freedom and more profit. Now let's take a moment to reflect as we step into 2020, a new year filled with possibilities, we must first look back on the year that has passed in order to look forward into 2020 and to make the best of next year, to have the better business or be a better person, you must become someone different than you have been in 2019. If you do the same as last year, nothing will change. Everything will stay the same. Now, lunacy is doing the same as you've always done and expecting a different result. So let's work towards bringing out your best and becoming a real salon CEO in 2020, instead of just having another year of average. Now, I want to dive into some big lessons from 2019, look back on the year that has gone so we can have a clear head moving into the new year. Then we can truly focus on mastering your inner salon CEO for the year ahead. One of the first things you need to master as a CEO is the mastery of yourself. Learning how to manage yourself and your time is one of the most essential keys to mastering your salon as it sets the standard of how you manage everything else and basically how you run your business. To start start off with, let's look back on one of my favorite episodes from the year. And in this clip, I tell you all the things that are holding your salon success hostage. Let's review. So let me tell you what they are. The first one is to stop bumbling and fumbling with our time, to control our time. Stop wasting and not managing our time. We only get 24 hours in every single day. It's the same amount of time as Beyonce. And what has she achieved in her world? She doesn't have more time than us. And until we can harness our time and control it, that we control it and what we choose to do with it, we'll never get on top of anything. So if you feel like you're never on top of things, but that it just leads to more fireballs being thrown at you and that you're bumbling and fumbling with every task and request and always feeling like you're behind, two steps forward and one step back. And if you're hat switching all the time, hat switching is exhausting and we never feel like we're moving forward and making momentum. And so we need to control our time and be intentional about our time. We need to stop booking ourselves out by the hour and leaving these little small one-hour gaps to do the stuff that runs and grows our business. So come on, you tell me if you're guilty of this. I certainly have been. You've got a fully booked day or you allow your admin time or your business IGA time, income growing activity time, you allow clients to convince you to book them in there. And then what happens? You squeeze your business growth and your business strategy activity into one hour squeezes. It's as bad as squeezing a client into a 45 minute gap when you know you take an hour cut and blow wave or you take an hour to do a facial and you squeeze somebody in. Does that client get the full service? 
Do you feel rushed and pressured to do something that normally takes an hour and 45 minutes? You're doing the same with your business and you're wondering why your business isn't growing. You're not getting on top of things It's because you're not creating time. You're not harnessing time to invest in the things that impact your business and create momentum and move your biz business forward. Stop booking yourself out by the hour, leaving small one hour gaps. Stop leaving the big important things out of your calendar and smashing them into the squeezies. Do you know, there's always the kind of the kind of important and definitely urgent stuff that's always going to take up your time. This is not the stuff that moves the needle in your business. So be realistic. That shit comes up and you need to create time for that, but you need to create space for the big stuff. Stop procrastinating with the big stuff. You know, the big projects that you know that if you actually pull it off, you would create income and move your business forward, like teaching your team to sell, like actually investing time and in teaching them the skills or teaching them to deliver an amazing service or actually pulling off a marketing campaign that actually brings in new clients, like actually starting it and finishing it in one, sit one sitting down session and completing something and not having six projects in the air on the bubble and, and unrealistically thinking that you're going to get them all done in between your clients on a fully boxed day. Come on, I'm only saying this because I have been this person. <laughs> hats, stop hat switching. It muddles your brain and it stops you from ever working on important things. Now, when I say hat switching, I mean wearing multiple hats in a day. You know, from, from nine till 12, you're the manager. From 12 till six, you're the, uh, the hairdresser. You go home and from six till eight, you're the mum. And from eight till 12 at night, you're the CEO. That's hat, switch, hat switching. And it's as bad as squeezies. You're better to block your time. Start to harness your time. Become the CEO by owning your time and investing it wisely on IGA, income generating activity, create the space. And I think my biggest tip is take the time to plan your time and then be disciplined to stick to it. Otherwise you're, you are your own worst enemy. All right, the next thing that I think that we need to stop doing if we ever want to have a hope of being successful is controlling your emotions. If you're feeling scared to show up and really lead your team in case they think that you're being stupid or that they won't like your ideas or that they're not going to follow you and that maybe you feel less than, you imagine that they're you know, eye rolling behind your back or that you need to make some big changes in your business and you know that you do but you're afraid, mostly because of your team's reaction. So you feel hostage in your own business. So my advice is stop getting wrapped up in everyone else's crap and control your emotions. Just focus on you. Stop worrying about everybody else. Stop taking everything so personally. In my experience, for the most part, it's not even about you unless you make it. The world will always confirm your suspicions. And what I mean by that is that if you think people are talking about you, then your very smart brain, our brains are very smart, it will always find a way to validate this. So you'll hear something as you walk into a room and you can't make up the whole sentence, but what from, you, from what you did hear, sounds like they were talking about you. You just knew it. They're talking about you behind your back, just as you thought. But actually, for the most part, they probably weren't. But those words could have matched something about you. So you choose to believe it. I discovered that I used to be really quite self-obsessed, if I'm going to admit to you. 
thinking that everyone was looking at me, judging me, talking about me, rolling their eyes back, you know, about me or nattering about my ideas and things that I wanted to do in the business, complaining about it. But man, how self-centered was I? I realized two things. Most people were in fact not worried about me at all. They had their own crap to worry about. And for those that did have, didn't have enough drama in their own lives, that they had to create drama about others, what I said, what I wore, where I went to school. Well, I realized that those people were really not my kind of people. And I really didn't want to be spending time with them. I have bigger things to focus on, like kicking some business butt <laughs> and achieving my goals. Move over, Drama Lama. I'm coming through. <laughs> so even though I, it was almost a year ago that I said these words, I still live by it today. You have to realize that it's not all about you and you are not your business. And if you stop letting yourself overthink every little thing and instead focus on what really matters in 2020, your year will be like 10x better and more productive for sure. And remember that we have the same amount of hours in the day as Beyonce, for example, and I bet she doesn't waste her time on the things that are so insignificant. Focus on that IGA, income generating activity, and avoid, avoid the constant hat switching in 2020. And I promise it will make a huge difference in your business. Now, speaking of IGA, this was a big focus for me in 2019, and it shouldn't change heading into the new year. Let's not throw out the baby with the bathwater. Let's delve a little deeper into the topic of IGA and the topic of consistency. What are you going to reinvest that time into? And you need to reinvest that time into your team and what I call IGA, income generating activity. You have two roles as a business manager and as a CEO, and that is IGA and team, driving and growing your team and income generating activity. So lots of people ask me, what is income generating activity? What is this IGA? So income generating activity is typically marketing, social media, and anything that drives awareness uh, of your brand, drives clients to engage with your brand, drives clients to book with your brand, sales and marketing outward, reaching out into the community and letting people know that you exist and letting them know that when they're looking for a new service provider that you should be the one they choose, top of mind. So that is marketing and social media strategies. The other IGA is in-chair sales strategy. So that's your internal sales strategy. So once you collect the people from out in the community and bring them into your business, what are you going to do with them once they're in your chair? Or once you've got their bum on your bed, what is what are your in-chair sales strategies? That is IGA, income generating activities. Once they're in your chair, the sale is not over. And I think we forget that sometimes the, the client sits in the chair and we think the sale is done. The sale is not done, it has just begun. What else is IGA? Training and introducing new, uh, inducting new team members and introducing them to the way that you do it here. Ultimately, that is IGA, income generating activity, because if you don't train them well and you don't induct them on the way that you do things here, they are not going to fit into your brand. And so as you step back and make it less about you and put the focus on your team, you really need to remember it can no longer be about you. It's about your ability to educate and lead your people 
to be as good as you are or as good as you want your brand to be. So one of those things you really need to um, buckle down on and do and commit to is how you want it to be done. Now, the hard bit, of course, is knowing what you want, how you want it. And if you've been doing it for years or you're an expert at your trade or your skill at what you're doing, sometimes we just do things because we've always done it and we're on autopilot. And that sort of inside the goldfish bowl perspective, sometimes it's really hard to hop outside of your own goldfish bowl and have a look at your business and the way that you do things and recognize that you have a system or a way of doing things that's unique to you. And the cool thing is that you get to choose whether or not you want to keep that as part of your brand strategy, whether that is part of your code and how you do it here. The hard bit is figuring out what it is that you want because when you're an expert at something, you just take those things for granted and you just do them because you've always done them. I remember I had a coach quite early on in my business who talked to me about systems, systems, you must put systems in your business. And I said, that's lovely. That's great. What the frick is a system? (laughs) And it took me a long time to figure out a system was just the way that I did it, the way that I did things. And it's really hard to get that out of your head, right? But if you want to nail this, if you want to step back away from the business and not be so tired like a ball and chain, then you need to discover what is it that's unique about your business? What is it that's unique about the way that you do things? What is it about uh, that is unique about the way, the vision that you have, what you can see that could, should, would be? And you need to get that on paper. And then you need to find a way to lead your team into that place. This is the crux of it here, right? Now, I hope that helps you understand IG, IGA a little better now. It's such a fundamental part of business, right? So it's really important to make sure that you have your head wrapped around it. And remember, when establishing a this is how we do it here system, that you need to trust your team. If you treat them like children, they'll act like children. So make sure you respect them and you trust them to make their own decisions first and then they'll respect and trust you right back. Now let's move on to the topic of letting go. Now as CEO it's super important that you learn to let go of certain things that may be taking up important brain space like space that could be used on something better. When you think about managing or leading a team of people what frightens you the most? Maybe it's one of these things. Maybe you're scared to stand up to your team, scared that if you push them that they'll leave. Maybe you're worried that they won't do what you ask. And maybe you're scared of being rejected. Certainly, these have been my fears for sure. Now, misconceived fear within our business and ourselves is super common. And it's how you manage it that has the impact. More often than not, it seems to be the perception in our head And the solution to fear is much easier than we might picture it. So let's dive into my episode around ditching the fear. We make things bigger in our heads than we need to. And, you know, we think that we can't overcome things, yet sometimes the solution is really simple. And so I've come up with this saying or this realization that it's often all in our head. And in my salon days, um, We created the saying um, because one of the challenges, one of the things that I was so fearful was when staff members would come up to me and say, Larissa, I need to talk to you. 
and golly, I would have a heart attack, right? I would worry and it would keep me up at night. And um, God forbid if they asked me, can I, Larissa, can I speak to you? Can I make a time to speak to you on a Friday? Because now I needed to worry about it all weekend and through Monday when we were closed and to whatever day that we could get together for a few moments. You know what it's like trying to coordinate appointment books. And I would stew on it for days, keeping me up at night. But slowly over time, I realized that a majority of those, hey, Larissa, can I speak to you, just ended up being little things and potentially big things for them. But they were little things that I could actually handle easily, like, hey, Larissa, I need a day off and it's going to be a Saturday. Or can you help me save money and take a little bit of money out of my wages and put it into a separate account? Or can you help me doing small personal matters or they just needed to vent a little bit about someone else in the team that was bothering them? Now, given every now and then it was a big thing, like I'm pregnant or I'm leaving or I'm stressed or I'm, I need stress leave or I'm going overseas. So, you know, granted those things happen sometimes, but I learned that 80% of the things that I worried about and I conjured up inside of my head were actually really simple and easy to overcome. And actually, I could handle it. So we created a saying that was, uh, and we talked about it as a group, you know, because it wasn't just me that would stew and stress over things. Likewise, if I came to them and said, hey, can I speak to you? They would worry their hearts out that they'd done something wrong and bad. So we created the saying, hey, can I talk to you? That's a good thing. You're not in trouble. <laughs> and um, we had a series of pregnancies. And so the team would come up to me and say, hey, Larissa, can I talk to you? But I'm not pregnant. Um, so... Um, I just want to impress, impress upon you that 80% of the things that we worry about never come true. And that worry sits, that worry and anxiety actually just sits in our head in our own imagination. And I give you permission to let it go. Now, you'll have to let me know if you've ever had the same anxiety as that I've had around the questions like, hey, I need to talk to you. <laughs> and whether my little story helps you let go of this. Now, we all know that the life of a salon owner is multifaceted. Not only do we have our businesses to look after, but we have personal responsibilities on top of that. Like, and of course, we need to look after ourselves, let alone the family and all the things. When it comes down to it, we all need to implement some level of balance and perform some sort of juggling act within our lives, right? I'm not sure I believe in balance. I believe in successfully juggling. And whether or not you're a business owner or a mum or a business owner mum like myself, then I give you permission to let go of always trying to do it all. So let's talk about where to start when you're wanting to step back and grow your salon, how to relinquish control within the self, in your business so that you have time to work on your business. So... Earlier, the, earlier last year, I did, or this year, depending on when you're listening, I did this episode, Growing uh, and growing a Successful Business and Nailing the Juggling Act. And I want to share this, this little snippet with you. I think sometimes you just have to go back to the start and look forward to where you're going. Like, what's the end goal here? Where are you going with your business? Get super clear whether it is that you had a vision to start with and you've just lost sight of that, or whether there needs to be a new future goal, you've got a new vision of where it is that you want to go, or if you actually have no idea where you're going with your business because it's not what it's cracked up to be, you know, you started and then you got a fright and thought, shit, this is really hard now, um, then I encourage you to go and find some space 
create some white space, give yourself some time. It's not one of those problems that you can sit down at the table, have a cup of coffee and, and plan the rest of your life. Sometimes you can, <laughs> but sometimes you can't and you have to give yourself some time and space. And if you don't have a week to go and lock yourself in a cabin in the woods, most of us don't, then you just need to give yourself some uh, space over a little bit of a longer period of time. Now, I'm a thinker when I do the dishes, when I take the dog for a walk, um, when I am um, putting my kids to bed, once they're tucked in, I stay uh, downstairs with them until they go to sleep. And that's a good thinking time. It's quiet space that I can't do anything else. So when are you going to get some white space for you to just think through these challenges and think, where are you going? And I think that's what you need to, that's where you need to start. Get real clarity around where are you taking this business? What does the end goal look like? And then write it down write down when will the business be finished. Now, it's a funny concept, when will the business be finished, because I don't believe it's ever finished uh, until you sell it, I guess. But you need to put a line in the sand and say, this is where I'm going. How will I know I've got there? How will I know I've got to my goal? What will it look like when I've got to that goal? How will I celebrate that goal? And write it down in tangible, uh, measurable um, steps. Or, or, you know, so you can wake up one day and say, I'm here, I've done it. Okay, I think one of the best ways to achieve the success where you'll be able to say, I'm here, I've done it, is to get ahead of your own problems. How do I do this? You may well, may well ask. Well, I've got the answer and it's through systems, structure and discipline. So I want to share a snippet of this episode with you because it is so relevant and so important for you to think about as we dive into 2020. Now, I am a creative entrepreneur, so naturally I resist structure. But one of my most important values is freedom, you know, like autonomy. It's why I got into business, right? And the very nature of structure and discipline really rubs me up the wrong way. I don't want to be structured. I don't want to be disciplined. I want to be free. I want to be free to do what I want, when I want, how I want, and when I feel inspired. It's the natural the natural uh, way that I want to behave as a creative entrepreneur. But it's the very nature of structure and discipline that will actually set me free. So I want to share with you the systems and structures, the very systems and structures that allowed me to grow my salon and now this business into a multi-million dollar sales business and allowed me to sell my salon at, uh, at the peak of its game at top dollar. It also allowed me to work 15 hours a week in and on my business and raise my babies. And on a side note, tried to start up another business. Crazy, but that's, you know, another, <laughs> another chat on another day. And of course, now it allows me to work from home and I get to work school hours and I be, get to be present for my growing kids. And it allows me to be away from my business, but feel in control. So I want you to think about that, to be away from your business and feel in control, can feel that things are progressing, progressing, are moving, are doing what things are doing, what they should be doing without freaking out and stressing out. So structure, systems and discipline. I know it sounds so rigid, like it's taken me a long time to really get used to this idea that um, 
that this is the way forward, but it actually stops me. It actually protects me. It stops me from stepping into overwhelm and into stress. So I remember a time in when I had my salon that I would feel quite attacked the minute I walked in the door, which I hated, do you know, kind of like pounced upon. And uh, my team, the minute I walked in the door, they would say, can I and should I and would I? Can I have a day off? Can I need a day off from jury service? I need a holiday. And, you know, I call these moments, they're fireballs. When your team pick up their problems or their needs, it's not always a negative thing, and their needs, and they throw them at you like a ball on fire. That's how it felt. And, of course, you have to dodge. (laughs) You feel like you want to dodge the balls. But you're the boss. It's your responsibility to hold the balls and deal with the balls. Now, I don't mean that the team, it was a negative thing. I don't think they really realized what that did to me, to have 500 questions. But you know what? Fair enough. Um, I should be supporting them and not putting them in a position where they have 500 questions to ask me. Could they? Should they? Would they? All of these needs. And if I'm not structured and have a clear way that we do business here, then not only do I make the same decision multiple times, like I have to answer the same question probably multiple times in a day and potentially to the same person. But also, not only is that a wait for me, but also my team don't know the rules and don't know the way that it should be, which means that they have to rely on me to feed them the answers all day long. Now, do you know what? To a grown-up, that doesn't, to a grown adult, that doesn't feel good to have to rely on another person, to have to wait for another person to make a decision, to tell me if I'm allowed and just to know what to do all day long. Like that is not an empowering place for somebody to be. And if you want your adults to behave like adults and not behave like children inside of your business, uh, quoting verbatim from some of you that I work with, (laughs) then we need to teach them the way that we do it. We need to teach them, get ahead of it, and teach them the rules, and then leave them to get on with their job, get get behave like adults, and get on with it on their own, and not have to come to you like a kid asking his mother, am I allowed to have another biscuit, please? Asking permission all day, because it makes feel people feel like the child in, in the relationship, and you know how children behave, and if you don't have your own children, you were one once. <laughs> We know we don't want to have a salon full of children. Now, for me, as the owner, structure and systems and discipline, it allows me to make a decision once, decide how I want it, write it down, and then run that as a system, run and then manage the people to run the systems. So not only is that freeing now to your team that they know how it's done around here, and they don't have to be the child in the relationship. Also, you only need to make a decision once and then ensure everybody knows what that is and then just manage that. Do you know how much lighter that is on your shoulder when you don't have to be constantly making decisions all the time? Because do you know what? When I've got lots of balls in the air and I'm doing lots of things, someone can ask me the same question and I'll give a different answer at different times if I haven't made the decision once and written it down. Because I'm spontaneous, I'll think about it in the moment and depending on how I feel, if I'm feeling uh, upbeat or maybe I'm feeling a little bit low that day, the answer might be different. How confusing is that to our poor team members? 
So make the decision, write it down, and then support your team to know the, the, the rules and the systems, as well as yourself. Because do you know how many times I've asked my team, now what do we decide? What's the rule on that? How do we do it here? And somebody goes and looks at the system that we wrote down, and then we all know. All right. Now, I want to know from you whether you have these types of systems in your salon or maybe you don't. Maybe this is going to be on your goal list for 2020. So leave an iTunes review and let me know in the comments. And let me know what kind of systems you have in your salon or what systems you're going to implement after listening to this. There are two topics that I have left that I want to cover from the best of 2019, and that's profit and team management. Let's step into those now. So let's start with profit. Now, did you know that profit is a choice? And when I first opened my salon, I was 20 years old and I had no idea what true profit was, let alone how to make it. And each year I grew more and more frustrated with my annual profit, that it was reading the same number. It was such a miserable number, like $20,000. And I craved growth, but I didn't really know what I should be doing differently. And that's when I realized that profit is a choice. And to become profitable, you need to make the choice to be or to make profit a priority daily with intention. And so I want to share a snippet from you from my uh, episode, Profit is a Choice. Let's dive in now. But how do we make profit king? How do we make profit a priority and feel good about it? It's funny, this, I set this intention to myself. I remember where I was, what day it was. I was sitting in my office of the business and I wrote on a, on a sticky note, profit is king. And I still don't love that word, but it is the word that I came up with at the time. And it really was profit as priority. But for whatever reason, profit was king. And, and um, it really was a step forward to say, I'm going to prioritize this. This is important for all of those reasons. I need to make it the number one and not because I'm greedy, but because the world needs me to make it a priority, myself included. So profit is a choice. And to prioritize it, we need to make that choice daily. So one of the things we need to do is to make profit a choice is to know your numbers and look at it daily and not bury our head in the sand. The only way that we're going to come away from looking at our numbers and them feeling painful, like if you have a physical reaction like, oh, I can't look. If you have that reaction, you owe it to yourself. The only reason you have that reaction is, and, and the pain associated to it is because you don't know it. And when you don't know it or if there's not enough of it, money, profit, then it feels painful. So how do you do that? The first thing that you do is you learn about it. And how do you learn about something? You look at it and you read it and you examine it often. Because until you know what's not working, you don't know how to make it to work. So I challenge you to look at your numbers daily. Okay, well, how often do you look at your numbers? I hope after listening to this that you begin to look at it daily. Now, remember that the only way out is through. So burying your head in the sand will absolutely get you nowhere. <laughs> All right, finally, let's check in about team management. So often... I have salon owners who come to me who are struggling with team dramas. Either they aren't getting along with their teams or their team members aren't getting along with each other. And there's a very simple way to solve these issues. And it's by understanding the different personality types and 
learning how to communicate with each and what works best with each different person. I think the mistake is when we try to have one approach for everybody. Now, I chatted with BJ Gallagher lately. Awesome. So much feedback on this episode. And BJ is an expert on the way different personalities interact and where they intersect with her Birds of a Feather program shaped by my own salon owning experience and helping my team to learn how to get along like a well-oiled machine and she really explains the reason for clashing personalities so join me in this little snippet with bj i know this about myself now i don't do that anymore because i've learned all this stuff but i do know that when i was a manager the people on my team who annoyed me the most were the ones I needed the most because their differences and what they brought to the party, um, crossing the T's, dotting the I's, keeping us out of legal trouble, making sure that we weren't rushing headlong off of a cliff and, you know, making, making sure we didn't have a blind spot. And so, you know, when I do seminars, I, you know, I'll, I'll always say that, that the, the birds that annoy you the most are probably the ones you need the most, yeah. you know, and you should, well, don't, I was going to say hug them. Don't hug them, but show some, show some love, show some appreciation. And so when you're assembling it, <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. And you want to, you want to, because the tendency is to hire people like ourselves because we know we're cool. So we, we hire people who are like ourselves. I love other peacocks. I love hawks too. And so, you know, when I was a manager, and I remember I made that mistake once, I only had one staff person. And I, what did I do? I hired another peacock. And what I found was all the detailed stuff wasn't getting done because mm-hmm. we both had the same strengths, but we both had the same weaknesses. And it's like, oh my God. So what I want to do if I'm, a, a, you know, a, a, a skillful manager is hire people who compliment me. They're not identical to me. So I, I need to make sure that I've got a good balance of skills and types. Um, if, and so in any salon, in any small business like that, you're undoubtedly going to have a lot of doves. Um you need at least one owl. You'll usually find that person doing the accounting and the bookkeeping and that sort of stuff. You need the owl to keep you out of legal trouble. But you want to have a, a nice balance in your team. Now, I want to know if you've done birds of a feather personality test in your salon. I highly recommend it. It's absolutely heaps of fun and it really is a game changer. I run a whole program uh, inside of my program on how to do this but you can do it on your own uh, and make sure that you have clarity around everybody's personality types it will really help you as you move forward into 2020 now I want to finish by taking a little bit of time to talk about how to succeed as a salon CEO in 2020 hint hint it involves stepping off the floor. So here's a little snippet from how to build high performing teams from 2019. So I want to just touch very, very quickly on the topic of um, uh, owners working inside of their own business, because I think this has a lot to be said for the success or lack thereof of a business, because it's one of the few industries that, you know, hair and beauty and the hair and beauty industry are one of the few industries where the owner sits in a primary um, uh, 
delivery role, I guess, and tries to run the business and tries to do the marketing and tries to do the HR and or the client delivery. There's not many industries where the CEO does all those things. And have we got it backwards? Yeah, absolutely. We have it backwards because if you're such a great therapist yourself that you can produce a lot of money yourself every week, then go and work for somebody who has a really strong commission uh, incentive program right? There is no point in opening your own business if you are going to be on the floor full time, because to succeed in a business, it is a full time job, right? So the running of the business, creating the processes, training the girls, mentoring the girls, that in itself is a full time job, meaning 40 to 50 hours a week. So if you try to be a therapist on the floor 40, 50 hours, and then go home at night and run the business, you know, that's not going to happen because your brain is frazzled, you're exhausted. Some of you even want to look after children as well. And it can't happen. It, it's just impossible. It's like saying, I've got two full-time jobs. So if you decide to have your own business, you have to acknowledge that you made a career change, right? It is, you're no longer a beauty therapist. If you still want to do hands-on treatments with clients because you just love it, fine. You know, limit it to maybe one day a week, half a day a week. You will still keep your hands in the, in the industry because you'll be training your therapists. So even with a hairdresser, I think she shouldn't, uh, an owner in a hairdressing salon shouldn't be cutting clients' hair. She should be training, if she's so great, she should be training the internal people so that she can start scaling, right? You cannot scale if you are an open operator and on the floor 24-7. You can't. It's impossible to scale. And the money in our industry is in the scaling. So I say that the beauty industry is a very, very lucrative industry. It's, I mean, I made a small fortune with it, but I've never touched a client in my life. Like I've never done, a, I'm not a beauty therapist, right? I'm a, a business builder. And so for the therapists out there who feel, or the salon owners who feel they have to work full time on the floor, then just expect to always be average in your revenue. Okay, that's a wrap. Like really is a wrap from 2019. We are done and we are only going to be looking forward into 2020 now. So I hope that that last message, that lasting message got you from the best of 2019 podcast, the year in review as we step into 2020. So like no more being average, being a true salon CEO inside of your business. It's a challenge, I know, but a challenge that you need to accept and smash it out of the park this coming year. Now, I want to share something finally with you, super exciting, and I want to share it with you first to make sure you are across it. I've got a brand new series of live masterclasses coming out at the very beginning of January, and I want to make sure you know about it. I'm finally revealing my inside secrets to mastering your inner salon CEO and live a life of freedom and profit, like truly. These inspiring masterclasses will give you the exact tools that you'll need to make 2020 your breakthrough year. Now, if you want to be first to hear about it, make sure you are registered to hear about this exciting new series. I'm going to leave the link in the show notes, but of course, you can send me a message in Messenger. It'll be on our Facebook page or just come to our website, www.salonownerscollective and make sure you register. All right. Otherwise, I'll see you same time, same place next week. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Salon Owners Collective Podcast. 
Tune in each week as we reveal the latest insight and advice on what it takes to make your salon a success today. Subscribe to the Salon Owners Collective podcast on iTunes or visit us online at salonownerscollective.com for answers to your common questions, to follow Larissa and much more. Thanks for listening. See you next time.